that would be know, a different Midsummer Festival if they were why different <laughs> instead why of the horses different? they're riding helicopters around. Well, and <laughs> yeah, can, can you imagine doing that sort of, that this Midsummer episode in or in Australia? You go Midsummer, <laughs> where everything's trying to kill you. Yes. <laughs> Hey, Maniacs. Midsummer Maniacs is a recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week, we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. And we are not alone. We are not alone. First of all, there's a warning. If you uh, let your kids watch the show, it's okay for the podcast today. But uh, If they can handle Confederate flags and way too much gunplay, they can listen to this episode. Yes. And kissing, weird kissing. So send out a woman. <laughs> but that's not the most important part. That giggle no. you just heard is Ben Sorensen. Ben Sorensen, quirky, eclectic, cross-media personality, voiceover guy, writer of columns, lover of music, presenter of stuff, and unable to leap tall buildings. From Melbourne, Australia, Ben Sorensen. I thought I was on mute when I was giggling. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm like the uh, the media pro here, yeah. you know, just, yeah, oh, I'll giggle and say whatever I want, but no. yeah, no. <laughs> nope. Oh, if, you, if um, you saw our media set up, you would be like, these these people are not pros. <laughs> you, know, you know what, we've, we've discovered that we have similarities in gear, because, of course, what else do you talk about before a show, but what gear you got? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Show me the gear. So we've both got the uh, Rode, pro, the Procaster. Which is. thing that we're using and where you are it's nighttime where i am it's early morning and it's very rare for me to be in my studio this early in the morning and i have this lovely window beside me so the sun shining in behind it i can't actually properly see uh, which buttons are illuminated at the bottom so here's me just mashing things like a five-year-old going yeah it'll work it's fine well you sound great yep we are the exact opposite. We're it's not dark here yet, but it is also blindingly bright because we have probably a foot of snow at, right at now. At least. Yeah. The sun so, reflects off wow. of it pretty hard. So Ben is our first guest yep. on Midsummer Maniacs. So how did you uh, come across yeah. How did you come across Midsummer Murders, first of all? Well, you know, I here in Australia it was just randomly on TV and it was after I don't know, it was after something like Grandchester or something that I uh, I enjoy watching at the time and I went oh what's this and then unknowingly watched one episode and went when's that on again <laughs> <laughs> and it's got to a stage now that I look I know that I can stream stuff in fact I can stream just about anything in the universe these days if you've got a uh, a VPN and a degree in software coding, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. So, but I still hunt down the little program every week, and I go, "When's Midsummer on? Which one's on?" <laughs> and it's it's brilliant. So, I'm I'm now at a stage with Midsummer where I'm watching it when it's scheduled on free to air TV, and then in between that, watching 
from episode one on the streaming service so that I can have double the Midsummer. Because so, <laughs> you just can't get enough death of British people. Midsummer. Yeah, there's a lot of oppressed people around the world that would go, yeah, I really like this show for some reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kill yeah, more of those British ha- people, will you? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's big in Hawaii for some reason. <laughs> no idea. But I just, I just love it. I love the towns. I love the quirky stories. And I love the, the just, it's comforting, even though a lot of people die in it. It is. I, that's one of the things I've always loved about it is I know that when I start an episode, it's going to end okay. It's not like a lot of other crime shows yep. that are on now where you might get left with like a yucky feeling at the end of the episode. The bad yep. guys always get what's coming to them and it's, it wraps itself up in like a little hug. Yeah. So it's all yeah. right. It's, it's cozy little, to the max. Yes. A little creepy hug. Yes. <laughs> Do you have a favorite episode of the ones that you've seen? Um, I th- do you know what I? I actually like. Uh, actually, there's a there's a few that I like, but I, I'm I'm more attached to John Nettles mm-hmm. uh, as the uh, for me the original Barnaby, mm-hmm. and I like his dynamic with Joyce way more. So my favourite episodes would have to be their episodes. Although throughout the entire show or the entire series, I tend to go hunt down and, and see if I can check out what John Nettle's fingernails are doing. Because <laughs> he in some in some of them, there's a couple of hand shots, and I'm going, "Holy crap, what's that?" Yeah. <laughs> Do you well, not own a what? clipper or a file? Yeah. Are you one of these older white guys that go, "I am going to learn flamenco guitar"? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he does play guitar, and that's why he has the long nails, I guess. Yeah, I, t- I totally get it. Yeah. Last episode, sort of Guillaume, he totally, you see a full-on shot of his fingernails. And they are long. Super long. <laughs> like past the end of I'm his go- fingers. Yeah, and I'm going, that's okay, but you've got to give people warning with stuff like that. <laughs> you want a little you flash know, that says... Long nails, you know, in the next scene. Well, in, in Garden of Death, we get, like, close-ups of them where he picks up dirt. Yeah. And it's in his hands. There's big close-ups of his fingers. It's not in his hands. It's under his nails. Yeah. <laughs> you hear, George, just swab, swab under my nails. It's yeah. fine. I've got the evidence with me, Georgie. It's okay. I brought yeah, it. Sweet. Don't, don't, waste, don't waste money on all these evidence bags. <laughs> i got ten of them right here. <laughs> So this so, week we're uh, talking about season 13, episode three, which is Blood on the Saddle, the cowboy episode of Midsummer Murders. Which is yes. this this weird thing of British people <laughs> being enamored by cowboys. So Ben, did you want to be a cowboy when you were little? No, however, I did do 10 years or so with country music and country broadcasting. So I've had my, my fair share of, of cowboys. Did you have the hat? And cowgirls. I have uh, many Many hats, <laughs> <laughs> many of them, and I have this thing where I, I, when I moved house, I didn't know what to do with all the hats. They were just in a box, and I've gone, oh no, that's you can't do that. So I've actually engineered a um a, a thing down the, the the stairs in where I can clip my hats to the outside of the banister. So it's like this this display of hats. So, and every, every hat has a story. And they're oh. in easy reach in case you suddenly need a hat. Hat emergency. Oh. Like in, inside in Australia, you never know. Yeah, you, you, know, never, you, know. you, you never know. It, it could, you know, the hole in the ozone, it could burn you. So, <laughs> you know, might need an emergency hat. 
Mark, did you want to be a cowboy when you were little? Uh, no, but, and I saved this. I didn't tell you about this. I did have a table when I was growing up as a kid that was a Roy Rogers table. It had like a Roy Rogers design on it. My brothers and sisters, of course, had it originally. And it had all sorts of cowboy paraphernalia on it, (laughs) which I covered up and drew and did all sorts of things. And then I was... As a kid, I was more enamored with less being a cowboy, and I wanted more to be the Lone Ranger. I liked the Lone Ranger character, and but that's more comic book thing. Yeah, than the, and thing. then I really discovered. Did you like the char- Did you like the character, the Lone Ranger, or did you just hate people? <laughs> <laughs> well, I discovered Batman soon after that, and the Lone Ranger was quickly forgotten. So. <laughs> Well, the guys in this episode are clearly living out childhood (laughs) fantasies of being cowboys. That's the only way I can explain this thing that this Wild West club that they've got going. It's so nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And they're hardcore Uh, about it, too. They're serious. This may have the weirdest cold opening that we've seen in a long time. We see. I agree. I wasn't even sure it was the right series. (laughs) (laughs) At first, it's all old timey and it has. I, I don't know if you watch shows with the subtitles turned on, but we watch everything with the subtitles turned on. And they, they have untrusting Western music as one of the subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure how you write untrusting music. What does trusting Western music sound like? <laughs> I don't know. So we have I'm a cowboy. And yeah. then, then he rides into a, a British village. So you have that dichotomy and you're like, oh, what's going on here? And then he just goes into a house and shoots somebody. Shoots a dog. Yeah, well, we don't know it's a dog well, no, at this I point. Gonna, I was going to jump in there and then you just did the spoiler. So <laughs> I, you know. I can't believe he walks oh, no. into somebody else's house and shoots their dog point blank with a shotgun. That is... Horrible. Yeah. I know. I, I would actually rather him shoot the owner than the dog. Yeah. I, mean, I would be more okay with that. I can't wrap my brain around uh, how he doesn't get arrested immediately for doing that. We have so many, like, mixed messages of whether to like these people or not in there's this episode. Very and, few likable people. In and this there's episode. very few likable people in the end. And then, and then not only do they have this weird group here, but then they throw the whole band of travelers in there as well and you yeah. go oh that's a whole nother level <laughs> wait a minute we've already had that episode haven't we haven't we done the travel no yeah, well, these, I know. Are, these are very different travelers <laughs> those travelers were like in the nice little caravans and you know horse drawn and they made little dishes by the fireside these guys are criminals they're business and they got rottweilers <laughs> yeah. and an accountant yeah, whoa, nothing says like a wild pack of travelers than an accountant. Yeah, exactly. Did you notice, so the first time we see Jack Fincher on his horse before he saunters into town, he he lights a, a roll-up on his saddle with a oh, match a, that he strikes yeah. on the saddle, right? Which doesn't work, having tried that many times. <laughs> well, it, it is cheap. It's cheaper just to get a pack of matches or a lighter. Yeah. The expensive way <laughs> to light a match is to have a match and then buy a $1,000 saddle. Yeah, and scratch it on it, right? Totally so, not good. So he's got to have, they're basically period matches. So yeah. they're strike anywhere matches. And this is before 
matches were made to react to the red phosphor sandpaper that's now on the box. Yeah. So back then they were made with white phosphorus and just rubbing them would light them. They'd go off in your pants. Oh, yeah. They'd light in your pocket. That's like something else. (laughs) (laughs) And how embarrassing as a cowboy to have your pants spontaneously catch fire. So, so oh. I had a question. They go to the Ford Flurry Fair, which is yes. just like it's a fair, I love and then they do their fair as well. Yes, and then they have a Western side to it. But I wanted to know, and you've already really answered the question: if there are these individuals in Australia who also are into the Wild West, the Wild West hobbyists. We don't have. Uh, look, I'm sure there's some some groups that are into that, as in the specifically the American Wild West. Mm-hmm. Here we have jackaroos and jillaroos that actually do it for a living. Right. So well, you, you have them. Wild West. <laughs> like, well, we, we have our equivalent. So we have large properties that are in like central Australia and in up in regional Queensland that are like a million, two million acres. Yeah. And they run you know, cattle on it, and they're, they're a little different now. So they, they do a lot of horse horse work, and the jackaroos and jillaroos are just insane, which is, I suppose, crudely, you would say that's our kind of our equivalent. Yeah. But they've, they've got, um, like, Jeeps that they, modified Jeeps that they run around in, uh, not the ones with air conditioning, but the sort of old-school ones. The kinds and you can roll and then roll back over and drive totally, away. Totally, yeah, totally. And then they've all, they've also got um, uh, a lot of them use the Robinson R twenty two and R forty four helicopters. Oh, because that's just efficient. Totally yeah. efficient, and they're doing some crazy stuff with these helicopters to herd cattle to load them on a truck. That would you be know. a different Midsummer Festival if they were... Way different. <laughs> Instead Way of the horses, different. they're riding helicopters around. Well, and <laughs> yeah. can, can you imagine doing that sort of, that this Midsummer episode in, or in Australia? You go Midsummer, <laughs> where everything's trying to kill you. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's an, as, as a farm kid, I grew up on a farm. I'm like... These people have nothing, no idea what farm life is actually like. They think cowboy is this sort of bucolic existence of, you know, everything's fun and we go to town and, you know, go they to the They only relive the town cowboy yeah, part. Yeah, not the sitting out in the middle of nowhere branding animals. And, <laughs> yeah. and chasing the one cow that got away for two days or whatever. And we yep. get to see Joyce shoot a rifle, right? So- oh, yes. And this is... I love that bit. She's got a knack for shutting down mansplaining really well. <laughs> she totally has has no time for Barnaby this season. She had no time for him to talk about Jenny. And she had no time for him to talk about anything in this episode, especially Marmalade. But it also plays into that whole conspiracy theory of Joyce being, you know, a serial killer who just sets up cases to keep Tom busy and happy. She's... Well, she's, yeah, very she's got good. her art classes, and Tom's <laughs> going to wreck all that. And I think we should be running a, a tally of how many di- how many meals has Joyce made for Tom that he's gone, oh, no, I'm not hungry. Or, oh, no, I've got to go. Thank you for this roast dinner that you spent two hours on. Nope, got to go. Ben's on Bye. Team Joyce. <laughs> I sympathize with her, yep. too. <laughs> but then he you takes know, away I her just... teddy bears. So... Uh... 
first of all, I named them. <laughs> they go to oh, the that dunk makes a difference, the, does it? They go to the dunk the witch tank and like had Barnaby actually thrown a ball before? I don't know. <laughs> I've never thrown a ball before, Joyce, but let me explain how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a trick. Oh, there is. She just does it. Yeah. So meanwhile, there is an actual crime going on where Leo is chasing the Malco Malco in in a car and shooting at him. Yeah, actual crime. <laughs> and Jones just is like, "Oh, you you ruined my car." This Jones, is, yeah, yeah. Th- this is the Jones abuse episode. It's certainly a Jones abuse episode. I'm just yeah, impressed it- that Leo can off road in an escort station wagon. <laughs> Very much so. In fact, I'm I'm pretty sure that wing mirror would have stopped the escort. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> so all of this is about a land dispute. Two families yes. have stake in this particular piece of swamp, which if you looked at it, I looked really closely. It's not really swampy land. It's sloped. So if it rained really hard, I think it would collect. I guess. Maybe. I and feel like that could have been a production oversight. Yeah. <laughs> Actually locate swampy land. And there's Jack and his son, Leo, and his wife and his girlfriend. Mm. Who, She's a witch. Who all know about each other. Yes. And, and what Jack. What a great time ha- to be alive. And Jack has a previous a wife because Leo is. Not uh, Susan's son. Is Susan's stepson. So. Jack has been around the block a couple of times. Yeah. And then you have Silas, who I don't know how he created his child because there's no woman involved in that family at all. There's no no backstory on that one. Well, I think that that's maybe why he's insane. (laughs) But Silas is also the most midsummer character in this entire episode because he wears the toque. Pulled down all the time. No work clothes. Yeah. Gets on his ATV to escape the cops, you know. Yeah. I, I, look, I like him because he's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that fits. So so it's all about this. And four people die over this son being insane about this land. And it, yeah. he just wants to be a cowboy. So... So Adam Burbage, yeah. the killer, spoiler, everybody oh, knows he's that. He's also an optometrist. He's Billy the optometrist <laughs> is who he is because he thinks he's Billy the kid, right? I want to rename this accountants and opto- optometrists. Yes, <laughs> the battle of accountants versus over, optometrists. Yeah, over uh, red tape yes. on an unknown block of land. Land deeds in the parish council office. Well, I love Whoa. how how Fergal. In. I love how Fergal is supposedly looking at this for months, and then goes to the the research archives, which have the worst security, and are right in town. And he looks for five minutes and finds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the bit they cut out of that is uh, the solicitor going, "Yeah, it only took me five minutes, but I'm still going to bill two hours." Exactly. <laughs> well, and, and that's you know, why hit on your kill. wife and everything else. Yeah. Oh, that that. Sexual assault is inappropriate. Uh, well, it usually is. Yeah. I yeah. can't think of a single case of appropriate sexual assault. It's just, it's so unsettling. He's so creepy. I learned something interesting about Billy the Kid because 
Adam Burbage yeah. really wants to be him, right? And everybody knows that, like, he was this young guy and he was shot down after having killed a bunch of people. But there's a controversy about a photograph of him. So there's two photographs of him. The one that everybody has seen. Yeah. Where he's posing with his rifle. But there's another one of him playing croquet. What? Yes. Like, on the dust, in the desert, you know, in Albuquerque or someplace, playing croquet. And half of the historians say that's definitely him. And the other half say, I'm not so sure. But it was used in an ad for croquet equipment in, like, New Mexico. And Billy the Kid is in it. That's weird. Yes. I'm looking at... I'm looking at the photo now. <laughs> we will put the and photo in, sh- in yes. the show notes. So what, what's your verdict? Do you think it's him? Uh, look, I, I don't know if it's him or not, but I, I suddenly want to play croquet. <laughs> well, who doesn't? With, you know, with a, a pea shooter on your hip at the same time. Yeah, totally. Somebody that's cheats. How you, that's how you win. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so the first to go down in this miasma of death... <laughs> Is Faye, Faye the girlfriend? Faye shows up for five minutes, is the bubbly girlfriend, and then gets killed oh. for it like immediately. Yeah. Into the like, okay, so she's supposed to be the witch in the Dunk the Witch game because that's an old west thing, right? So I'm, I'm gonna interject here and just go a little bit back, okay? So where we, we start the ploy, which is uh, where Susan Fincher drops the penis-shaped ice cream. No, no, she does not drop it. Joyce's she throws lap. that ice cream at Joyce. That is the first sexual assault is when you have a penis-shaped ice cream thrust at you in front of your husband. And you're That's right. It's one. like the top scoop is there just to fall on somebody. Totally, totally. And I think the top scoop's a little too elongated. Yes. I had too much fun with that. It is not your typically shaped ice cream cone. <laughs> and it is thrown at Joyce. Oops. Oops. Uh, I, 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 oops. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's fine. It's fine, love. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, Alibi achieved. I just, I, just wanna, I, I just wanted to bring up the phallic symbols in there. So That's then, the first one. There's yeah, more. There's more. So then, supposedly, Burbage... Sneaks up the helter-skelter. Billy the optometrist. Billy the optometrist sneaks up the helter-skelter with the sign that looks like it's a pizza box Mm -hmm. and goes up there and... so snaky, that. Yes. With a a long gun. Like, and shoots Faye on, like... So the way we have them here in North America, as far as I know, those dunk tanks are, are not with little kiddie pools at the bottom have you ever done this where you were yeah yeah we actually we've got a a couple of guys that hire them out as for you know um fundraisers right so i used to teach at a school that had one of these fundraiser days so of course it was fun to put the teacher in one of these things right and the kids would line up and throw but first of all that thing goes down you're you're plunged into the water immediately Mm, (laughs) like you don't it is is hard on you, but there was no kiddie pool involved. <laughs> I don't know what that that part it was of it just is. a square tank of water. Yeah, it's just a square. Like it's all meant to be all one unit, so they they could drive it. Yeah, around. I think theirs is a bit improvised, yeah. you know, because they had all the witch trials in England, so they probably still have the dunking stool hanging around. <laughs> yeah. They re- if just she repurposed dies, it. She's not a witch. That's right. <laughs> 
Well, if she Ooh, dies of a gunshot, close. is she still a witch? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, I, I still think the, the other thing is, so she's in the dunking thing, and she fought, she's shot and falls down. Now, given the gun that they're using over the distance and the caliber bullet that they have... I'm surprised that the aim is that good over that distance. Well, Billy the optometrist is clearly on the Olympic team for shooting yeah. In, yeah. for England. It could shoot that far. A Winchester 73 can shoot 150 to 200 yards. So That's, the distance isn't the issue. It's the accuracy. It's the accuracy is. over that distance. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I doubt that he he adjusted for wind. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't see him like lick his finger and hold it up in the air or anything. But we can yeah. guarantee that he probably does have good eyesight. That's true, and he's oh, got no, his coconut I mean, mat ready to slide back down again with the big yes, gun. Yes, he just goes down <laughs> on the coconut mat. So. so if you look at those coconut mats as well, so you've got um, there's a few of them there, but it swaps to a a doormat. Yeah, that's what I thought too. <laughs> And I've gone, is that a doormat? <laughs> I want to see Fergal go down the slide in the doormat Whee! in his suit. All the way down. <laughs> yeah, and then standing up and going, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> little welcome mat. So that's our first uh, death is Faye. Well, and, and then we have the, we have, before that, we have the pretend death where we think Jack's actually dead, but he's not. No, of course Because not. the guy who's going to kill him later is going to kill him later, not then. Yeah. Maybe that's when he got the idea and he's gone, hang on, this is a pretty good idea. That was pretty easy. I kind of liked that. Meanwhile, Sarah and I are that still being good. triggered by all the Confederate flags. <laughs> and Bad, bad, let's, bad. Let's celebrate the losing side. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And America is just a little bit sensitive about those. Just, you know, a little bit. Never mind that they well, would have never flown in the West. I mean, the, just the time frame is just, it's just different. Yeah, yeah. Don't, I mean, don't sound me on the Confederate flag. I mean, you know, there's other symbols to tell that you've got a tiny penis, and I'm not sure <laughs> that uh, you need a flag to sort of put it out there. It's like you've been to Indiana, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> so then yeah. we're introduced to the Traveler subplot here, where where this is like, Malco, I actually like him. He's a stand-up guy in his community. He he went to school. He wants to improve yep. the lives of the children in his community. He wants them to go to school. He isn't. He's like, I just want to buy the land. Whoever owns it, I'm going to give you some money mm-hmm. that I attain really legally. Like yeah, he's all right. But and he, he's got a he, license for his gun. Yeah, <laughs> he even does, though he keeps it next to him with a scope on it. He doesn't yeah. have a lot of fashion sense, but. <laughs> does have a lot of jewelry he does he does he also has jewelry that is bullshit yeah <laughs> yes um yeah. so the they there's a fight in the little saloon the last chance saloon do you know why it's called the last chance saloon either of you uh, no no so there's a lot of saloons in the u.s called the last chance <laughs> saloon um so if you are entering a county that is dry meaning that alcohol is prohibited there on the other side of the border, there will be a bar that's your last opportunity to get alcohol before you go into a dry county, and a lot of them are called the Last Chance Saloon. Now, I realize coming from Australia, 
Ben, you now we uh, have dry communities here. Oh, you do? Yeah, absolutely. Like dry, dry, or actual dry community? <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, um, dry. Well, and it makes sense that you know you decrease the amount of alcohol, you reduce some of that violence that's related to it. So you can imagine that if last chance saloons are the last opportunity to get alcohol before you go into a dry area, that they were not crime-free zones. No, it's, I, I feel like it's the equivalent of I'm starting my diet on Monday. Yes, so I exactly. am just going to go to every buffet I can on the weekend. And so the whole fight starts over one guy calling another guy a toe rag. Oh, Oh, doesn't that get my blood boiling? Yeah, you just called me a dirty cloth that somebody wrapped around their foot if they couldn't afford socks. How dare you? Torag. Oh. <laughs> so, Ben, what's the equivalent insult in uh, Australia that is that you could say on Midsummer that would start a fight? Oh, you're gonna, yeah, yeah. You're gonna have to bleep that out. We use a lot of words that you uh, Americans find very, very offensive. <laughs> yeah. to use in this place. And we use them as punctuation here. <laughs> um, we, <laughs> I suppose, uh, toe rag. We've got fam- famously your flaming galah. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, well, you know, it was made famous by Alf on Home and Away, but it's it's been a colloquial uh, Australianism for a little while. So you go, oh, you flaming galah. It's just, oh, you're an idiot. Ah, oh, okay. Same, same, same as your buffet or. Uh, which is, you know, you're an idiot. Uh, we got a lot of different ways of saying you're an idiot. <laughs> and that might start a fight if a bunch of people had been drinking too much already. Yeah, totally. Or, or uh, in uh, Melbourne, where I am at the moment, if you walked into a bar, what would start a fight is if you looked at someone and went, are you a Collingwood football supporter? <laughs> and then they'd go, you called me what? <laughs> I've got a job in all my front teeth, so I can't support Colin. <laughs> oh, it's like that. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let me get to go to Jude Langham's house, and he has the best pig ever. Yeah. So I want that pig. So Jude is a kind of a guy, an older guy in the community who knows what's up. Supposedly, he knows who owns this land. Or has some sort of deed or something like that. But the most interesting thing about him is he makes this exquisite stained glass and he has a lovely pig in his yard that kind of looks casual. <laughs> I love that Look, pig. I like his house. I like his workshop. I like the whole vibe that he's sort of building in this little area. And I'm going, just leave the bloke alone. Like, love it. Yeah, he he and and Mary really don't even need to be in the episode. Yeah, they're nice, Probably. but they don't really need to be there. But he he has nope. this thing that bothers me about Midsummer, where he also has a bunch of Wild West stuff in his house, and it's this idea that the entire village only has one hobby, and they share this hobby amongst everyone in the village, as if they've come together as a village because they had that shared interest. Yes. Yeah, magically, there was no village before, and then suddenly all these like-minded people just went, let's create a village. Yeah, because I Um, like Old West stuff. I think that sometimes uh, a series, as they go along, you can go, all right, now we've hit the stage where the writers have gone, let's do some themed shows. (laughs) We haven't done cowboys yet, have we? Yeah. Yeah. There's always a boxing one. There's always a soccer one. A soccer one. 
Um, there's always ghost, ghosty Halloweeny episodes, and yep. yeah, all those yeah. sort of themes show up in all these, and of course Christmas episodes. So, well, and Jude's house is where we get our second penis of the episode. Yes. Oh, yes. Because Chimney Rock, the place that he has the photo of on his wall. Next to the chimney. <laughs> next to the actual chimney. Conveniently. Was originally called Elk Penis by wow. the Lakota Sioux. That's what they called it, was Elk Penis. Make a right turn at Elk Penis. I think that's way more interesting that, than Chimney. That elk yeah. is standing and delivering. It's man. a big elk. <laughs> it's a big elk. <laughs> And it makes it's climbing climbing that rock a whole different thing. Yeah, it so, does. <laughs> so, of course, that that place is a real place. It's in uh, New Mexico. It's in Nebraska. Nebraska. And it is a national monument, which means uh, a bunch of white people in America have come along and said, this, you can't touch it anymore. Mm-hmm. So you you can drive close to it, but you can't get anywhere near it anymore. Right. There's also a chimney rock in North Carolina. North Carolina, which is lame. It's you, a cliff. There's stairs to it. <laughs> and it doesn't look anything like a penis. So when I first looked <laughs> looked it up, of course, I'm like Maybe it's just a different nationality. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Could Maybe. be. So they go uh, when they go to the traveler encampment, Jones uses some mojo to get them in. Did you guys pick up on what he said to the traveler to get them in? No, no, he said he t- he told Barnaby. Mm-hmm. And I sort of glossed over that because I've gone, oh, I, don't, I don't really get that. Is there <laughs> something deeper in that? So he says, do you want to buy some lucky white heather? Yes. Isn't heather purple? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so the reason he said that is because there's a, um, a superstition in the UK that white heather is lucky. And Romany are known to sell it as a good luck charm. Though there's a ton of suspicion that they actually just bleach regular heather. Um, and sell it, but it it comes from this uh, Scottish folklore about the prettiest lass in the land. Her name was Malvinia, which kind of makes her less pretty. But she was betrothed to the most amazing warrior named Oscar. But he goes away to war and he dies, and so his page brings her a piece of heather from the place where her betrothed died, and she cries, and her tear turns it white. And since then, white heather has been good luck. Now, there is white heather, but it's like albino heather. It's rare, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's kind of a a nudge to, we know you're probably doing illegal stuff. Don't make me look into it. Well, uh, Jones, you know, he comes from the wild streets of Coston. Yeah, he's he's got some street smarts there. (laughs) He can shoot. (laughs) Yes, he can. Yeah. Yeah. Blanks. Yeah. Which is not a euphemism. <laughs> Except that last one. <laughs> Except the last one. Well, about that. the okay. one you least expect. Yes. So, <laughs> so we'll get to that really quickly. Susan sends Barnaby a note with a bullet in it. Okay, if you're a policeman and you get a note with a bullet in it, do you put your fingers all over it? No. No. You look in the no. envelope and you go, oh, that's a bullet. So this is a threat to my life. Yeah. I'm going to take this to Georgie. And Georgie's going to pull some fingerprints off this. And we see in the retelling at the end of the episode that she puts it in the envelope with her bare hands. Like her fingerprints would be all over that bullet. Yeah, I feel like being a uh, super sleuth in Corston's not as hard <laughs> as it 
as it could be. If you if we got some of the CSI guys there, oh, they would be uh, beside like, themselves. You just touched you, that. Oh my gosh! Look, I want to see a crossover with Barnaby and Horatio. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and the <laughs> necklace that they show uh, Malvo is like, he almost takes it out and fingers. Mm-hmm. Licks it or something, yeah. you know. I don't know if this is yeah. mine. Let me taste it first. <laughs> my, my gold tastes different to your gold. Yeah, this is bullshit gold. <laughs> so in something sort of completely unrelated to the plot, Leo attacks Jude in, in a despicable way. He's super mean to him. Jude's an old man. Jude is an old man. He destroys this beautiful piece of stained glass for his dad's memorial. Screw you, Jude. <laughs> yeah. But then Leo ends up dead. And we we have in this episode a great, like some episodes, not enough people die. And you have too many, spe- <laughs> too many suspects. But this episode, you're running out of people who are the killer eventually. Because they keep dying. Yes. Yeah, you're just there's just no cast left to, to narrow it down to. Well, and when when Leo is maybe killed, the, maybe the writers had budget cuts and they went, no, we can't afford people for the whole episode. Yeah, they got just places kill them to off be early. We'll save some bucks. Yeah, we, if we just kill them all in the first half, then we have much less much less people to pay in for the second half. Genius. He Leo gets killed, gets shot, and then Adam puts him over his horse, trusses his hands and feet, and shoves a a hand of cards into his fist that magically stays there all night. It's it's so weird. And another fantastic, uh, when he's coming into town, the, the music cue in the subtitles is uneasy, determined instrumental music. (laughs) Doing voiceovers. I feel like I've had briefs like that. Reclines gone. (laughs) Can you say it just sort of really fast because we've overwritten it, but I want it to be so, sort of somber and slow and emotional, but fast <laughs> at the same time. But if you could just put a little more smile on your tears, that'd be great. <laughs> and and be sure to be uneasy while being determined. <laughs> yeah, if you could do it standing on one leg with your tongue to the left. Yes. I think that would be, that'd be helpful. I'm sure it'll come through in the audio. <laughs> so... <laughs> This is where we're maniacs because Jude goes to the hospital and we find out that Mary, whatever her name is, is in love with Jude. And I completely don't care about any of that because I am obsessed with this donations poster and the behind them of this mountain with uh, mountain climbers on it. And this string like these are these are appeals that they do at and they're hospitals. marking how much money they, they've they've collected. They're marking, oh, yes, yes. And, and it's for a scanner. It's the Friends of Midsummer Scanner Appeal, right? So like an MRI machine or so something. So they're going to try to raise 750K. I spent a lot of time looking at this post. <laughs> when you said scanner, I thought, like, document scanner? No. <laughs> That's they're a really expensive scanner. for document scanner? <laughs> no, no. So we're making ebooks on yes. the black market. <laughs> we need a lot of money. So the, the numbers on the side of the mountain go 10, 25, 50, 100. Understandable. Okay. But then with no degradation or change in the space between the numbers, you go from 100 to 250 to 500 to 750. Well, it does get harder to climb the higher you get, I guess. Maybe it's levels of I, difficulty. I, I guess. But 
It's not like compound interest. They're not even halfway there, so I don't think that scanner's coming. So. Those few coins that Jones puts in the thing are not going to help, right? No, absolutely not. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's like it's um, the it's got a sign at the bottom, a disclaimer at the bottom, like the the mirrors on your car. Objects in mirror may <laughs> are in real life, yeah. or you know. All I know is that not, that hiker's not, climb is going to get a lot slower now, right? Well, and I think all the security at the hospital is looking for money for this hiker's climb because Jude walks out of the hospital with no one noticing with a giant bandage around his head to go to the traveler's camp. Where there's already been two murders in the village and he was targeted. He could be next. They could be coming back, but they don't keep an eye on him or anything. No, they're, they're no interest at all. So, you know what I love about all of this is it's a line, a P.T. Barnum line going, People pay for the privilege to be knowingly hoodwinked. And I feel like that's what this episode is all about. There's a lot of, there's more holes than Swiss cheese. Yeah, definitely. Know? It's like, just go it's with like, it, right? Yeah. So I, I just, I'm just going with it. And I'm going, I point it out and in a loving way and I just adore it. But seriously, I just go, ah. if they actually wrote it properly with no plot holes, it wouldn't be the same. Oh, it no. wouldn't be nearly no. as fun. No. What I, would we have to talk oh, about? Oh, gosh. We were... <laughs> the first couple of episodes of the the podcast, I would make charts of the days. And then I was like, I have to stop this because they, the days don't make any sense at all. No. No. <laughs> like Susan going from her house to the village to stay in the B&B and then never changing clothes, crashing her car that shouldn't even be there. And it's like, what? And she goes, I'll get somebody to get my car. And then nobody goes and gets her car and her car is magically in town. And of course, these are British people. So, of course, the, the farm must be maybe eight, ten minutes away by car. So, well, we'll have to pack a lunch before we go that far. It could far. take all day to get there. <laughs> I wonder in 2,000 years' time, are people going to go, just like we do with Lord of the Rings, and they'll open up the front of the book and see this map created of Corston based on the Midsummer series. And it's gonna be <laughs> Was this a real mess- place? It's going to be the most messed up map ever. <laughs> and my gosh, so many people died there. It must have been horrible. Well, and like we said... Last episode, they they go on a bus tour. It's two hours on the bus tour, and they take a break and stay overnight. <laughs> like That's a long way. That's a long <laughs> way. Now, I know you come from a country like my country, which is a country of empty space, where everybody lives in a very small That's area. That's just the politicians. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, 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 everyone lives in a very small area, and they rarely go into the empty space. Like, oh, absolutely. Occasionally, very centralized pe- population. But mostly the empty space is for you to fly over to get to other nice places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then Fergal and, dies, and nobody is sorry that he's dead. Oh, no one is sorry at all. And I think I think Billy the optometrist shows up with the Bowie knife, and the the research people who run the research library are like, "Yeah, you can go kill him. <laughs> it's okay." Yeah, he, he's been bugging us. He's been in there for hours. I don't know what he's doing. And he's got a stupid it only name. Take five minutes. <laughs> and he's got a stupid name. Fergal. So. So you have a Bowie knife story. Oh, my gosh. So the Bowie knife is named after Jim Bowie, which everybody knows. And they think, oh, he must have been some kind of hero. Now, why? I thought it was David. (laughs) It would be a much cooler knife if it was named after David Bowie. (laughs) 
Yeah, I know, because seriously, every time I saw him, he dressed sharp. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so Jim Bowie has this uh, reputation. So he's in the you know early 1800s, right? He has this reputation of being this badass knife fighter because during one argument, he had a big knife. And from then on, he continued to carry a big knife, and then it was called the Bowie knife. But this fight where he gets this reputation is redonkulous, okay? okay? It's a feud between two families in Mississippi and Louisiana in the 1820s. They're going to have a duel, like an official, real, see-you-at-dawn duel, okay? Okay. And they're going to do it on this sandbar in the middle of the Mississippi River because it's neither in Louisiana or in Mississippi. Okay. So they think they can get away with it, okay? Bowie isn't even one of the duelists, all right? (laughs) So the two guys who are fighting, Wells and Maddox, they all have seconds, right? As you do in a duel, you've got your sidekick to keep everything honest. Then there were surgeons that showed up to make sure that if you got hurt, you, you, there was somebody there. And then there were supporters who were just there to like egg them on, right? So there's a dozen men on this little sandbar, okay? Now, the two duelists, the guys who came there to fight, neither of them were injured. Okay. So effective, very effective. Right. The seconds who are supposed to fight for the honor of the duelists were only lightly injured. Lightly injured. Mm-hmm. Um, like Fergal. <laughs> yeah. Bowie and the guy that he was fighting, they were just there as supporters. They are both badly injured, and four other people were killed. <laughs> wow. Like. <laughs> that, that went past you quick. <laughs> It turned into an outright brawl, and the guys who were actually there to duel just stepped aside and said, I got nothing to do with this. Ah, this is on you. And this is where he gets his reputation as, like, the most famous knife brawler ever. That's amazing. Wow, that is the origins of the And he did all those albums and sang all that stuff (laughs) in the 70s, too. Oh. That's impressive. I feel like. Yeah, he made some bad decisions early on, but I reckon he came good at the end. He came around. (laughs) I just love the idea of the two guys whose families have been feuding for generations. They're like, I'll see you at dawn on the sandbar. And then it just goes absolutely awry, and they're like, I got nothing to do with this. Do you want to swim to the other side? Let's go together. We'll just just get out of here. (laughs) I don't want to have anything to do with this. Let's hold hands. So all of this culminates with Adam confronting them at the farm. He, can we just all agree that he is nuts? He's doolally. He's out there. Does he even see the actual surroundings that he's in? Well, he sees an old West town. So uh, so he's delusional. Did, so I did some research. Dissociative personality disorder. I think so too. So I did some research on this little town uh, because I was like, where where did they film this? Because it looks like an old west set kind yeah. of, right? Well, that's exactly that's exactly what it is. It's an old west set. But then I I read a couple of articles. There, it's a secret location. They Ooh. don't let anybody know where this place is. So it's a high it's, value target, obviously. It's, yeah. it's run <laughs> by a bunch. Oh gosh, can you imagine being a teenager near this place? You would be up there all the time. Uh, pew 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 pew. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's run by this group of people who are like these Old West fanatic people who do reenactments, they do, and they hire it out. It's been in a bunch of British shows, and but they want to keep the location safe. And I completely understand they're running a business, 
you know, mm. they are they're doing that. But of course, I got on Google immediately and tried to find it. <laughs> yeah, it's not that big a country. You no. Google Earth. Like. And found it. And it's like right in the middle of town. Like you could see it from the road. And I was like, wow. So like, it's an open secret where it yeah, is. Yeah. Like uh, the people in that Everything's always hidden in plain sight best. Yes. <laughs> Along with this old town, we get Barnaby and Jones in the Old West get-ups, including the mustache. The mustache. Now, you and I both are bearded gentlemen and and enjoy a mustache, but that hair lip that they've stuck on (laughs) Barnaby's face, Uh, it's just horrible. You know, when when you, as as a man, when you're growing a mustache, you always have a dream and you go, mustache, amazing. Yes, I'm keen. I love it. I think it's so great. And then you start discovering that every single one of your sandwiches tastes exactly the same. It tastes like your mustache. (laughs) And I feel like that they've embodied that concept on Barnaby's top lip. Yes. (laughs) They've just gone, Barnaby, you're going to be angry in this. Because all your sandwiches will taste the same. It'll be so uncomfortable and tickling your nostrils all the time, it will make you scowl appropriately. And you know what? Even just talking about it, I'm itching my nose as we <laughs> It drives me insane, man. Nor does it look like the actual mustache of the man who killed Billy the Kid. He didn't have a mustache no. like that. His no. was oh, much more so, of a twirly mustache. So the mustache that um, they put on Barnaby has a name. It is a Fu Manchu, which just adds to the whole sub-racism part of all. That's what I thought, too. I thought it looked like a Fu Manchu mustache. But I don't know if the sides are grown on his face or if it's long hair on the sides that's just pulled down. I couldn't tell. Uh, It's, it's, there's no growing involved in that mustache. But that's, that's technically, that's what it's called. And uh, here in Australia, we call it like a Chopper Reed one because... He was one of our famous serial killers here, so we call it, it's like an Uncle Chop Chop. Oh, so it's um, got a good stash. connotation. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Nice men grow Chop Chops. <laughs> yeah. Now, wait a minute, then what do you call, we call lamb chops, those big sideburns. Are those lamb chop yeah. chops? Yeah, we, uh, the, the giant sideburns, yeah. We, 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 do, we still call them lamb chops. So you can have lamb chops and a chop chop? Well, it's Uncle Chop Chop's mustache. So we, we associate that with Chopper Reed. Yes. Uh, but te- technically it's a Fu Manchu. But Did he, he kill uh, people with uh, an axe? Uh, no, he didn't. He didn't. But um, Why is he called he, Chopper? He, oh, he, helicopter. He, he, he helicopter. Yeah. Everybody in Australia has a helicopter. They're just buzzing around everywhere. Killing people, getting back in the helicopter, flying away. So he, he was he was a hardcore gang member and uh, Mark Brandon Reed was his name, but um and he had he he was like literally crazy and he wrote a sort of a, a, a series of semi autobiographical fictional crime novels. Yeah, there's a movie and, about him that, yeah. um, what's his name? Who Eric Banner. Eric Banner's played. in. Yeah. And, yeah. And weirdly, he also wrote some children's books as well. <laughs> oh, those aren't <laughs> creepy, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, he donated in a, in a uh, just because you can't profit from crime. Right. So he donated, at, or here you can't, in America. <laughs> Um, I was about so, to ask you about that. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he 
in a in a weird twist, donated a chunk of the profits to uh, the police legacy fund, <laughs> which, I, which I thought was really really twisted as a as a convicted criminal and gang member going. Yeah, you can have the profits from a book and I'll give it to uh, the policeman's legacy oh. fund because I've shot enough of you. <laughs> it makes me think of <laughs> something in my notes about Midsummer. So the slide is called a Helter Skelter, right? Yeah. And, oh, yes. And they're all called Helter Skelter. And so it, it's, an, it's an English term slang that means confused or dis, disorderly, but in a hurry, right? So yeah, the Beatles like then use that, song, use that term to describe that kind of chaos. But then Manson uses it to, in, in his efforts to kill a bunch of people because he's another crazy guy. I don't think he wrote any kids' books, um, but he did make more music. But then they didn't change the name of the rides. They left them called no. Helter Skelter, even while Manson was killing people and riding Helter Skelter on walls. We're way off. But this is, this is great stuff because when I was a kid, I was really into the Beatles. They're a great band. I was so into them. And I knew about the Helter Skelter song. And I remember I picked up the Helter Skelter paperback. I was like, this must be about the Beatles. No. And I started reading it. And I was a different person after reading that book. <laughs> Maybe that's what makes Adam crazy. He, he kills Faye and he would have been done. But then he goes down the Helter Skelter and comes out like a Manson. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Anyways, Joan shoots him. End over. It's done. I love that. After our la- large tangent that we've gone on, it's just, the oh, well, John shoots him. <laughs> well, it kind of ends like that. It kind of does, yeah. Just wrapped that up nicely, didn't you? Mm-hmm. They, they were like, okay, how are we going to get this uh, village into the story? Yeah, yeah. We like paid the, a lot to rent this the place. Whole, the whole meeting of this episode started with, we have a village that does shoot em up Western stuff. How do Which we... you found was actually real because you Googled it on Google Earth. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it called Laredo? Whole... It's called Laredo. Yeah. Like they started with that idea and then they made this crazy plot. To go into it. Well, you know, and it also, it fits the, the, the rules of the Western duel that your second is only allowed to have one bullet. And that's all Jones has is one bullet. It's another ir- irritating British yeah. mystery thing where it's like, Stop shooting at us, or we'll say stop shooting again, <laughs> because we don't have any guns. So yeah. we're going to say stop that. We're going to hide here until you run out of bullets, and then run out and tackle you. <laughs> but Adam's got a lot of bullets because he's got them all over that belt. Yeah, he's got a lot of bullets on that belt. See, throughout this, there have been uh, the belt holster things. And having done my weapons training, I'm looking at the practicality of it, and you've got these uh, six shooters, and a so the revolvers are a pain in the backside to refill. Yeah, they take for, they take forever. Well, that's why and they then, they have these things called speed loaders, where you can put all six bullets in at the same time. Very, very true. However, they are pretty clunky to hang on a belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, once you've used a speed loader, you've then got a you know, you'd need four or five of them. Because they're just as there. arduous to load as the gun, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you've got to line them up and put them in. So, look, I get I get the speed loader, <laughs> but the bullets are kept individually in loops on your back. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's I've like, got this speed loader. I'm just going to 
reach behind in the center, the small of my back and just pop out six bullets, put it into the speed loader, open my gun, and then put it in in the middle of a firefight. Well, you wouldn't just spin the belt around to put the bullets in the front right over your belly button and whisk the bullets out? Do you, can you... Look, I understand that, but can you imagine if a stray bullet actually hit that and you shot yourself in the in the private parts? <laughs> that would be very bad. Going into a... Uh, it always struck me as strange to go into a firefight covered in bullets. Yeah. I mean, if you were smart, you just shoot him from the back and hit one of those bullets on his belt, and he'd yeah. just go kablooey, right? Yeah. Totally. I, I didn't know think... that those Winchester 73s held 14 bullets. I, I just thought they were shotguns. No, no. They're, they, they're like machine guns. Well, you, you, it, it takes a lot to kill bison and other things. <laughs> That's what they're for, right? Yeah. But particularly if you've got such tiny, tiny bullets. <laughs> We have a couple of quick things that we do at the end of every episode we'd like to include you in. Best corpse. Nice corpse. I am going to go with the witch early on, face down in the pool. So not only did I enjoy the fact that it was face down in a kiddie's waiting pool, but over the when, when we cut back to her a couple of times... There's a, a sneaky blink or eye flutter there. <laughs> nice. When when she's drying on the grass beside it, and it's only there for a minute, uh, not even a minute, like a, a little second, you go, yep, yep, another conscious person put in a body bag by George. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> I'm going to give it. by t- the time we get back to autopsy. Yeah, don't worry about it. I'm going to cut you open in a second. <laughs> I'm going to give it to Leo just because he has to be draped over that horse, and that had to be really uncomfortable. Well, and listening to that music that is... The uh, eerie, determined, hesitant, determined... Hesitant, determined music. That lying over a horse like that, that's a difficult thing to do, you know? Especially if there's a saddle on it, I would think it'd be really uncomfortable. Yeah, and that's a well-trained horse, too, to, like, just walk around all night with him like that. So, Mark, you choose Leo, too? Yeah, I go go with Leo, too. All right, what about after the credits? What happens to these people who are left alive? Well, I think Jude and Mary have a nice, wonderful life, and he makes some more stained glass. Like, I'm going to make a really wild prediction here that eventually everyone dies. (laughs) Now, that's crazy The pig goes on a homicidal rage and takes out who's left. And in, yeah. And in a like a Northern Irish IRA way, he's got a taste for people. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think uh, Malco he just needs them chopped up. Yes, Malco buys some land, and Silas sells it to him. And Susan is free of all these crazy people. And but all... she's going to go to jail. Yeah, she goes to jail, and Adam goes Adam to jail. Goes to jail. There's really not many people left. The Travelers and Mary and Jude. Yeah. Luckily, Jones has the wet wipes to clean up everything. Uh, I love the fact he got in the mud twice. Yep, wet wipes. I can't even say that now. The face down in in the the mud was so bad. Poor guy. And then up the chimney. He just got committed to both of them. Yeah, he did. He did. But thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you guys are amazing. And the hard part about this is I could chat to you guys all day. Likewise. Happily. Yeah, absolutely. And again, when we can leave the building, (laughs) 
We we hope to actually get to Australia and New Zealand. It's one place we've never been. We've never been there. We have yet to be to that continent. So uh, we uh, you you definitely should come. And if you time it during comedy festival, uh, you can come and check out my comedy festival venue. It's the second largest comedy festival in the world. But all the tickets for that, all the info for me and everything is on bensorensen1.com. But if you come out, we could do a live taping of the podcast. Yes. Well, now he's tempting us, isn't he? That's what we're hoping to do. We have a couple of people in England who also want us to do the same things. We're hoping to actually do one on a location in England that has been used in an episode. So. Oh my gosh! For our first guest, you are Ben. We could not have got better. Thank you so much. Yep. Oh, that's good. I spent the last three days working on this just to make sure that it was just spot on for you guys. Didn't want to disappoint you at all. Oh, no. You rocked it. You rocked it. And we will uh, absolutely put all of your info in the show notes, too. And hopefully you get a boatload of followers and people interested in what you're doing in Melbourne. Keep up Uh, the good work. I'm literally adding this to my resume because this is the coolest and best most official, unofficial Midsummer Murder podcast in the universe. Oh hey. my gosh! When that came out, when the Midsummer people said that on Facebook, we we danced for like ten minutes <laughs> straight. Yeah. And, and then, if you're, it, over th- if you're over thirty, ten minutes of dancing is like a lifetime. Yes. it took and a week to recover. Uh, it's been amazing. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Likewise. Uh, This movie is terrible. Ha, I bet Mark's seen it. So horrible movies. Uh, are you ready? I am ready. Okay. I, I've been practicing. I've, I've got, been watching horrible movies. I've got three that are humdingers. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, so the first one is from 1977. Okay. And Carolyn Langriche, she plays Susan Fincher in this episode. Okay. okay? Uh, the nuclear age has arrived. The construction of nuclear power plants is commonplace, but one such plant should never have been built. Deep in the Sahara Desert, a monstrously large facility is under construction. Unexplained mishaps begin until it's clear that they are part of a prophecy about the end of the world. One man knows the truth. Will anyone listen? What the hell is this movie? The tagline is... He will destroy the world. No man can stop him. No man will even try. He is the Chosen. The Chosen? That's the name. It's got Kirk Kirk Douglas is in it. Kirk Douglas is in this? Yes. Oh, Spartacus. He's like in charge of building this monstrous nuclear power plant and then realizes it's going to bring on the apocalypse. Like the Antichrist wants it built. It's not like there's going to be a nuclear explosion or something. Nuclear power is not that bad. Apparently, it is. (laughs) <laughs> Nuclear power does not raise Satan. That's one for me. Okay, I got another one. Now this movie, I'm going to say it stars David Rintoul, who plays Jack Fincher in this episode. Okay. Uh, it's from 1975. He, he looked familiar, but not 1975 familiar. He's rather young, but he's in it, and he, he is a main character. Okay. Um, the tagline is, before you can scream, you're already dead. Okay. A traveling circus adopts a real wolf boy who grows up and escapes. A wave of horrifying murders then terrorizes 19th century Paris. The victims are ripped apart. Bodies keep arriving at the morgue and the city is in panic. Professor Catafalque and Inspector Gerard realize a myth has come true. Okay, so this is not Circus of Blood, which is a hammer horror movie. No. 
and this is not American Werewolf in Paris, which is a horrible 2000s movie. Yes. It's a little bit before that in 1975. Like Night of the Werewolf, something like that. Night of the Hunter, something like that. I know I've seen it. Legend of the Werewolf. Legend of the Werewolf. Yes. Peter Cushing yes, plays Peter Cushing Professor Catafalque. Yes. I'll give it to you. You I were very close. definitely know I saw that movie. Though I think the um, Wolf Boy kind of gave it away as a werewolf movie. Yes. Maybe. Yes. All right. Last but not least, um, this is a movie that has Richard Harrington in it. He plays Leo Fincher. Okay. It's from 1997. Okay. Whew. The best review I could find says more cheese than a Swiss deli. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. It's an invasion of the most personal and terrifying kind. When a meteorite crash lands onto a Boston college campus and an alien beast is released, only one man understands its mission to mate. From the depths of an all-girls college, the grotesque monster stalks his prey in a cat-and-mouse chase until the final conflict where only one species can survive. Its Rotten Tomatoes rating is less than 25. Wow. <laughs> have you seen it? Uh, no, I've not seen this I think you may, you may be glad that you haven't seen it. It's called Deadly Instincts. Deadly Instincts. It was shot on the Isle of Man... With an all-UK cast who pretend they're in Boston. Oh my gosh, this must be fantastic. The fake Boston accents are why bad. Isle of Man <laughs> is creepy, and they must have schools on the Isle of Man. Why not put it on the Isle Why of not Ma- set it there? Yeah. No, no, it's in Boston. <laughs> like, I got my, my cockies in my cocky pocket, and I'm going to go kill an alien. Like, that's how they talk. Right after the Bruins game. It's so horrible. (laughs) Wow. More cheese than a Swiss deli. That is Deadly Instincts, 1997. One of Richard Harrington's first roles. Wow. I'm glad he's improved. He's in Hinterland. Yeah. Yeah, he does a good job. He stars in Hinterland. Though Hinterland is, wow, we're in Wales and we're really depressed. We're so grumpy. It's so bad. We're so grumpy and we're so poor and we're all farmers. Other um, important appearances by some of the actors in this episode that we didn't mention is that, yes, um, Richard Harrington does play DCI Matthias on Hinterland. But you might recognize Caroline Legrish, who plays Susan Fincher, as Charlotte Cavendish from Lovejoy. Yes. She's Seasons of Lovejoy. She's in Lovejoy. And David Rintoul, who plays Jack Fincher, in addition to being a werewolf in a movie... Also played Eris Targaryen in Game of Thrones, who is the Mad King, who was killed before the beginning of the story. Uh, but Jamie he's, kills. He's yeah. Daenerys's dad. Yeah, Daenerys's the dad. The Mad King. So lots of fun roles that some of these people have had prior to this midsummer. Well, we have a number of issue episodes to go before the end of this season, but we are putting a call out. Mm-hmm. We're putting a call out for the best Barnaby bits. That's what we want. We want to do a special episode featuring best Barnaby bits, and we want your version or your picks for what those best Barnaby bits are. So this is Tom Barnaby. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to do is we're going to finish off this season with the very sad episode at the end that we're not going to talk about <laughs> any much right now. <laughs> Okay, and then we're going to do a best Barney B. Bits episode. Yes. 
talk about our favorite Barnaby What moments, we love about Tom. What we learned about Barnaby and how we grew up with Barnaby and all that good stuff. We'll have to get Ben to record one for us. Yeah. He'll definitely do that. And then... Uh, then, then we'll take a week off we'll and we'll come back a week with or two off and a then cleansed palate cleansed to begin palate with John. And start season 14 with John. Yes, but this is weeks away, so you have time to think about what your favorite best Barnaby bits are. Yes. Send us an email or um, a voicemail message or now, draw, draw a picture and send do, us a photo we, of it. <laughs> we don't want you to take a picture or draw a picture of Barnaby's bits. No, this well... Is, you could, I guess. I guess. Well, no, don't send it to us. <laughs> Unless it's really good. <laughs> I don't I'm not going to say no. I don't want to know about Barnaby bits. <laughs> but your best moments, the Barnaby moments, and uh, that will be in the show notes. You can also, of course, find us on, Mids- on uh, Made in Summer Maniacs on Twitter, Instagram, and email. We're also on the Facebook groups for Midsummer uh, and Acorn and the subreddit, which has heated up as of late. Lots of fun things there. Yep. Uh, remember to like and subscribe if you're listening to us on YouTube and hit that bell. So, ding, ding. Uh, we have over 300 subscribers now, which is fantastic. Just on YouTube. Just on YouTube alone. That's awesome. Which is fantastic. And our next episode, episode 77, is a problematic one for me. Season 13, episode 4. It's the called... The Silent Land. Yes. I like uh, it. It's got ghosties in it. Now, Ooh. it does have one of our favorite guys in it. Playing the ghost uh, tour operator. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there's problems I have with how Joyce is in this episode. Well, we'll have to discuss that, won't we? So thanks again, Ben. You were fantastic. And make sure you go check out Ben's stuff. He he is a funny guy and he is a fun guy to have on a podcast. And does a lot of great things for a lot of great causes. Yes, so. he, he is absolutely one of the most uh, hardworking people I know about. Absolutely. So. All right. Until next time. Bye, Maniacs. Bye, Maniacs. Like, so I'm so, a hockey yes, that, that gives you an insight. I'm yeah. a Canadian, so I'm a hockey fan. So it is. It is oh, so you're used to fans not having front teeth. Yes. Right. I, <laughs> I, it is so weird to me to watch professional sports with no crowds. Right. With nobody being rowdy. Well, there's no one in the audience. Right. It's very strange to me. <laughs> well, we, we had uh, five days of the Australian Open. Here with no crowds. Oh, okay. It looks so like a practice that. game. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's really weird. And, you know, you're looking around and you're going, oh, it's just kind of, you know. And then you realize how much of sport is performance as opposed to sport. Yes, absolutely. Well, especially in soccer. Yeah. When they're so dramatic. Oh, I fell down. Oh, never walk again. Flag. Okay, I'm better. <laughs> I recovered. Yeah. <laughs> That's where those uh, maybe they're just real, really tight with those evangelical healers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>